0: Father God, we give you thanks and praise for the great privilege we have of gathering here this evening. And we pray that as we gather, that you would speak to our hearts and minds, that you would help us be people who serve you and love you in all that we do. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. No, we're not speaking about the lost member of the Spice Girls. This is a Latin term. And quite surprisingly, this Latin term appears around our church. In fact, that's a picture of the window just behind us. Why on earth is it there? What does it mean? Curcum spicae means look around. Look around you. It's an imperative. It says take notice, pay attention, look around you. In the Latin Vulgate, we read a verse like this. Look around Jerusalem towards the east and see that the happiness comes to you from God. Look around you. Now, it's interesting when you think about looking around you. As you look around you, you obviously pay attention to certain things, to certain details. Perhaps things catch your eye as you look around you. But what grabs your attention? What things do you focus on as you look around you? Well, as we continue our journey through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus wants us to pause. And he wants to ask us a question about, What do we attend to? What do we look at? What do we look at when we look around ourselves? What catches our attention? And he wants to redirect our gaze. He wants to redirect our attention. And he wants to say, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. You'll notice that right at the end of the passage we read just earlier from Matthew chapter 6. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Now Jesus will explain what he means by unpacking three metaphors for us and talking about one implication. So I want to encourage you this evening to take up your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 6 as we try to understand what Jesus is drawing our attention to how it is that we are to pay attention. In some ways, what Jesus is doing is not surprising. The reason that Jesus has come to earth is because people are not seeking his kingdom. And Matthew has told us that. Matthew has told us that Jesus has been born, that as Jesus has been born, he's come into the world to do a particular thing. And he's shown that in lots of different ways. In in the miraculous birth, in the way that he was tempted, in the fact that just before the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was proclaiming, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come. And is near. And so we're kind of prepared for this. And as Jesus has spoken through the Sermon on the Mount, we've seen that Jesus has been calling people to seek his kingdom first. He's told us what it means to be blessed. He's told us what it means to behave in particular ways if you are to be a disciple of Jesus. And so it's not surprising at the end of this chapter that we read these words, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. But what does it mean? Well, come with me as we look at these three metaphors. The first one we find in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now Jesus draws our attention to the fact that treasures can disappear. Uh, If you look at the particular verses there, you'll see that moth rust rust and thieves break in to destroy our treasures. Now, that can happen in all kinds of different ways. I had a 1969 Mercedes-Benz two-door. I loved it. It was a very old car when I bought it. And I thought, oh, if only I could do this car up. It had an extra spare motor with it. it sat in my garage for a long time. And I had dreams of spending time, but the rust. It kind of just got to me in the end. I had... I had Sell it. I, I couldn't spend the time. It was just rusting away, but it was such a dream. It was such a treasure, but it was a treasure that was rusting away. All of this, of course, was actually brought home to me uh, greatly this week, or uh, impressed on me greatly this week, when at about one o'clock on Thursday morning, I found myself standing at the Redfern police station, filling helping someone fill in a report. They had been at work, and their bag had been stolen. It so happened that in that bag was a fair bit of equipment, including an iPad. Now, just before we'd got to the police station, we'd been in the back streets of Redfern, going through the bins, because the iPad told us where it was. And we were chasing it. We knew where the iPad was. It was actually in this block of units. And we were just hoping that the person had put the iPad in the bin. But we couldn't find it. And the person who'd lost all their equipment, including their iPad, about two or $3,000 worth, was naturally upset. Because it was a treasure. It was important. It was significant someone had stolen what was important to them. We know what Jesus is saying here. We know that things can be destroyed. We know that things can be stolen. We know that treasures are a bit like that. And as Jesus says look around, look at what you're doing, he says, well actually pay attention. Don't store up treasures for yourself here on earth. Store up treasures for yourself in the kingdom of heaven. Because those things will disappear. They won't last forever. And in fact you need to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now that's going to look very different for different people. I can think of a A man in Malaysia, when Jane and myself went to visit this man, who had nothing. And as we sat down, he brought out some rice and a banana. A Christian man, he wanted to serve us. And this was all he had. And he was prepared to share everything he had with us because he was determined to seek first the kingdom of heaven. I know another man who's a millionaire. He could live in the fine suburbs of Sydney, the finest suburbs of Sydney. He could own a very, very expensive house. He could almost do anything he wanted to, but he's chosen not to. Instead, he's chosen to live a life which means that he can give his money away to support Christian ministry. That's how this has shaped his life. That's how he hasn't invested in the treasures of this world. That's how he's not storing up the treasures in this world. And so I guess the question is for us. How do we not store up treasures in this world? What will we do? How will we approach this? How will we notice this within our lives? What will we do? Well, the second metaphor that Jesus shares with us is in Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 to 23. And this one's a little bit more complicated in terms of what Jesus is saying. He says, "'The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness.' If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, I don't think Jesus is thinking about modern ophthalmology as he speaks here. He's talking about light coming into the body, uh, light coming in through the eye. Perhaps one way of thinking about it is in terms of light coming into a darkened room through a window as the light shines into a room, it illuminates the room through the window. If the window is dirty, if the window is somehow clouded, the light that comes into the room is not as clear. It doesn't illuminate. It leaves darkness. So I think what Jesus is saying here is, the way you see the world, the way you look at things, is very much determined about how clear your focus is, how clear it is, how clear your window, how clear your eye is, how healthy your eye is in terms of its looking around, in terms of its seeking first the kingdom of God. And so if your eye is healthy and clear, You will see things clearly. You will focus well. You will seek the purposes of God. You will seek the kingdom of God. Now that will operate in lots of different ways. I know of one woman who in her younger days was faced with a choice. She inherited a private hospital but it was on the condition that she would run the private hospital. She thought about it and she said, I want to seek first the kingdom of heaven. So she went to the mission field and left the hospital behind. It wasn't part of her inheritance and she spent 25 years on the mission field. At that moment in her life, She looked. There was a clarity. She looked through her eye and saw that for her at this particular period in time, seeking the kingdom of God was to make that decision and go that direction. I know of another man who made a quite different decision. He was a young lawyer doing extremely well. He sat down to speak with John Stott one day while he was in London And he said to John, John, should I be a lawyer or should I go into the ministry? And John Stott said to him, no, you should be a lawyer. We really need Christian lawyers. You see the different conclusions? Both of them with the same purpose in mind, with the same clarity in mind. Both seeking the kingdom of heaven both seeking to serve God in different ways. But the eye was clear. The focus was clear. Well, the third metaphor that Jesus uses is Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. You can, uh, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus is saying here is you can't serve two lords, you can't be a slave of two different kinds of people. I think it's a bit like um, thinking about Saudi Arabia versus Australia in the football recently. And if you think of someone like Brett Emerton, who played and scored a goal on that particular evening, and you said to him, by the way, I know you play for Australia, but halfway through the game, I'd like you to swap sides and play for the other side. It just wouldn't work. His allegiance is to Australia. His allegiance is to one master. And he will serve that master and play for that master. And score goals for that master, thankfully. We won, by the way. You can't serve two masters. It's just not possible. And it's certainly not possible when it comes to serving the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Now, this, I think, works out in lots of different places in life, but most importantly, in our workplaces. Sometimes we're faced with very difficult challenges. You cannot serve God and money. Our workplaces are the place we make money, and sometimes we're faced with very, very difficult challenges in the workplace. I remember I was about 17, and I had a holiday job in the Luxaflex factory. And my job was to cut bits of aluminium. We were making security doors. You know, the aluminium security doors with the frames around the outside. And my job was to cut certain lengths for the security doors, and someone else would put them together. And as I was doing that one day, I noticed that the dockets that I was receiving that told me how long to cut these aluminium lengths were, um, were changing. And some of them just seemed to be scribbled bits of paper. And it dawned on me that in fact what I was doing was making foreign orders. The person running the shop had basically said, oh, I'm going to put a few through and no one else will know about it. So I said to him, I can't do that. I don't believe in being dishonest with my heart thumping. Strangely enough, I got moved to somewhere else in the factory. Now, sometimes it's not as easy as that. It's not as clear as that in terms of serving two masters. I think that's a pretty obvious one when your boss asks you to do something that's dishonest. I recognize that there are other times where it's very, very complicated. Where it's hard to work out what is the best thing to do. That you want to serve God and you want to serve him in such a way that brings him honor and glory. But you're being asked to do something that you're not quite sure about. And I think we as a church have got to do better at equipping you to answer those questions please come and talk to me about your situations at work or in the workplaces that you find yourself in. Because I want to know, how do we approach this? What do we do? How do we go about this as God's people? Because I know you want to. You want to seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. So let's talk together. Let's work out together what that looks like. And let's do better in that area. Because we cannot serve two masters. Well, Jesus gives us these three metaphors, but he also gives us some implications. He says, Therefore, verse 25, I tell you not to worry about your life. What you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body not more important than clothes? He then goes on to compare and look at the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, and points out that both of those have been provided for. Jesus is saying, if the most important thing in life is seeking first the kingdom of heaven, then these other things will sort themselves out. Pay attention to that first, and these other things will sort themselves out. Now, I know that Jesus uses the word worry, and that raises the question of anxiety within our lives. And I know for some people, that question of anxiety is a very real and present thing that comes every day. And I appreciate that that can be very difficult. I don't think Jesus is actually addressing that particular issue. And if you do have difficulty with those kind of issues, you need support and encouragement from others. What I think Jesus is doing after saying all those, using those three metaphors, is he's saying, Where is your attention first? Is it about seeking the kingdom? Or is it about worrying about the details of life? Is that where you, as you look around, First, pay attention to the things of this world, to eating and drinking and what you will wear. Somehow I feel like this is particularly a message for Newtown. What you eat, where you eat, who you're seen with when you're eating, and what you will wear. Newtown's a cool place. What I wear and where I eat is very important. And Jesus is saying, actually, don't make that the focus of your attention. Yes, it's there. That will happen. And yes, those are not bad things. But seek first the kingdom of heaven. Seek first the kingdom of heaven. Pay attention there. You'll be wasting your attention if you attend to these other things all the time. Seek first. his kingdom and his righteousness. I want to stop for a moment. That's quite a humbling thing to do, isn't it? To seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. 1 Peter puts it like this. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. Cast all your anxiety on him. Because he cares for you. Can I ask you to take a moment to look at your own life? Here, cum, Look around your life. What are you paying attention to? What, is the, what are the things of most importance to you? Can you hear Jesus saying to you tonight, actually, you're worried about things that are not that important. Can you hear Jesus saying to you, actually, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. Stop paying attention to these other things which will actually be destroyed in the end. Can you see something in your life? Is there a moment where you need to stop and say, yes, actually, I need to humble myself. I need to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. Well, if there is, I ask you to commit yourself to God in prayer as we close this evening. Let me pray. Father God, your word has spoken into our hearts and into our lives. We know that you call us to a hard thing, to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And, Father, we know that the only person who's ever done that perfectly is Jesus. And we know we fail. And so we ask that you would bind us up in Jesus, that you would bind us up in his obedience and enable us by your power to live for you in all that we do. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.